Hey everyone, I'm Swati Rawat and welcome to the Visionary Podcast where I talk to visionary Indian women with inspiring, intriguing and aspirational stories. In episode 27, our visionary is Dr. Rama Joshi, Director of Gynecology and Oncology at Fortis Memorial Research Institute in Gurugram. She has a rich experience of over 2 decades of performing all radical surgeries for gynecological cancers and she has also authored many original contributions, clinical communications and abstracts in peer-reviewed literature. Tune in as Dr. Rama Joshi shares her experience growing up with an ambition to become a doctor, the breakthrough of the robotic assisted surgeries and the interesting AI developments within the surgical space she foresees in the near future. once i look at that how was it was my childhood my childhood was really a perfect childhood one this is what i would say we had all the freedoms the kind of the family in which i grew basically this was the very academic and scholarly atmosphere with a very scientific approach towards you know everything since my father uh, was head of the department of the physics so even the small small things he would look at and would be asking us why it is happening like this i remember you know uh, at this moment one very uh, important example which he used to give me touch me not there is a plant called touch me not i suppose yeah. you must have also seen so he used to say that touch this and when i used to touch it said why it falls down so likewise you know whatever i mean to say the things around he used to look through the uh, scientific manner he used to ask us why it is happening this way that way that's how we were raised and yes. on the other hand my mother she was a very simple very religious very upright and very affectionate one and she had been the pillar of the strength whenever we yeah. used to have any kind of the difficulty we would be running to our mother my mummy and then she would be saying oh this has got nothing this is how she would be explaining make it making it very easy for us to really take through the difficult situations also we would yeah. we used to play a lot and we had been you know given all the freedom of talking everything at home like i would be discussing everything whatever i felt even for my uh, fellow friends or anything with our parents on dining table so i really remember that time very well on the other hand one thing i just want to tell you uh, because it's way long i'm talking to you about at that time you know the girl child the girl child had lot of restrictions but we were the ones who never had any restrictions right from the beginning we yeah. grew up like any of the boy in the i mean to say in the society grows up so that is i think the thing which while talking to you i can very well uh, i mean to say feel even now that this was a kind of atmosphere given to us yeah and this is around what time what year and um, where did you see, go i was i was i was born in the year 1962 and uh, i was brought up Uh, i grew up in jaipur rajasthan basically mm-hmm. and that is uh, where actually majority of my childhood was spent in rajasthan yeah 
so dr joshi this sort of like um scientific curiosity that was instilled um, yeah. in you since you were a little yeah. girl um i'm sure this was the trigger for right. you to uh, become a doctor uh at that time were there many in your you know um class were there many women studying uh, uh you know this this field yeah yeah uh, i just want to take you you know little actually uh, to my real childhood where, where basically this thing was imbibed in me mm-hmm. i uh, in my childhood i had my i had a great bonding with my maternal grandfather he mm-hmm. who always forced you me as a doctor and he would always be calling me you know just check my pulse you have to become a doctor and see what does the doctor do when you are in trouble you can make them i mean you can relieve the trouble and you can make them happy and that was the thing which basically uh, actually inspired me rather th- i grew with this kind of the feeling that i have to become a doctor and he used to always be talking to me when i was a small child this i am talking to you about the incidents when i i can recall that i was maybe about say 5 years old Yeah. so actually uh, it is this kind of the feeling which grew in me along with myself and when i became young actually i had no other option of thinking than becoming a doctor along with this my mother used to actually show me because she knew that i want to become a doctor and small small things like any any of the medical student going on the road on the bicycle with that of the white coat i still remember that really had given me lot of inspiration in the sense that oh i think sometime i will also go on a bicycle with the coat hanging in front and people will say that oh they are the future doctors so yeah. i think this this is the real scenario which i can give you of my childhood and that's how i got interested in becoming a doctor yeah yeah mm-hmm. So, Dr. Joshi, let's talk about the present. Let's talk about what you're doing now. And for the listeners, can you please state your credentials and also talk about what are the core areas that you specialize in? Actually, uh, I am presently working as head of the department, Gynae Oncology and Robotic Surgery at Fortis Memorial Research Institute, Gurgaon, hmm. and. Uh, i passed out from sms medical college jaipur i did my mbbs there i uh, topped all the five medical colleges in rajasthan at that time and i uh, was awarded six gold medals including the pfizer gold medal of postgraduate award and mm-hmm. i also was awarded uh, the award of uh, academic excellence that is uh, maharana mewar foundation that is bhamasha award so yeah. i was the recipient of these awards from the state of rajasthan and after that actually i chose gynecology and obstetrics as a stream because i just wanted to take up the stream which gives you some surgery and this was very interesting to me to have the subject which has which has the medical uh, treatment as well as the surgical treatment so i did my post graduation in obstetrics and gynecology that was also from sms medical college jaipur following which then i was senior resident uh, for uh, in uh, banaras hindu university that is bhu yeah and it was during this senior residency actually 
uh, I opted for gynae oncology. And here is also, I think, one of the inspiration, what I would like to mention here, that I was inspired in getting into the oncology by my husband, Dr. R.C. Joshi, who was then clinical oncologist at uh, Indian Railways Cancer Institute, and he was heading the cancer chemotherapy. We used to have a yeah. lot of conversations at home that the patients did come from the BHU. The surgery requires to be more complete, more aggressive, more radical. The patient must receive any chemotherapy which has not been advised. I, some kind of the lacuna and all those things I used to listen from him. So at that time, actually, that was the time when I had to decide which career I'm going to choose. Hmm. So then I got interested somehow into the oncology. Why? Because oncology, gynae oncology was not a formal degree course in India at that time. Okay. And this I'm talking to you about way back in 1994. So this was not the stream, but very much required to give the quality of the care to the women of the gynae cancers. We have to have more radical surgeries. And of course, this requires a lot of training. This also requires to know when do we have to give chemotherapy? When we do we have to consider for radiation? And when we don't have to treat the patient and we have to give palliative care. So this was all actually... Uh, I came to know and I understood during my senior residency and I give credit for this to Dr. Joshi. But when he asked me that, what do you want to take it as a further career because you have completed your three years of the senior residency and you are on, I was in my research, I was research associate there then maybe for one year, but there was no academic post in BHU. So okay. actually I had to decide like which uh, which career I'm going to choose, which speci specialty I'm going to choose. So I had an option of, you know, going into the infertility or the gynecology. So ultimately, I chose gynecology based on these grounds because we do not have any such specialty existing at the time. And we can do a lot to the women of this country. We can prevent certain cancers which, where the awareness was not there at all. And once they are diagnosed of the cancers, then we can really optimally manage them in order to give them the, you can say the good survival as well as the quality of life. Yeah. That's how I got interested into gynae oncology. And I, I was taken in uh, as a fellow gynae oncology in Tata Memorial uh, Cancer Research Institute that was in mm -hmm. That is Tata Memorial Hospital, Mumbai. I think you must have heard of it. Yeah. Where my initial basic training in gynae oncology, actually, I went through. And for this here, I, I just want to tell you one very important thing that Dr. Joshi told me that once you are choosing gynae oncology as your career, you will have to drop the obstetrics part of it. I said, fine, mm -hmm. I will never do obstetrics. And then I chose and I left obstetrics. I'm not doing infertility. I'm not doing any obstetrics since then. And I'm uh, totally dedicating my work to the gynec oncology. That's how actually I came into gynec oncology. And I basically am working since then now for more than 25 years into gynec mm -hmm. oncology. And Dr. Joshi, um, you being a robotic gynae-oncologist surgeon, I just wanted to understand right. more about these robotic-assisted surgeries. Like, how does it work? 
Okay. Okay. Now, first, I think before I tell you about the robotic surgery, actually, yeah. I just want to tell you about the robotics. How did I uh, actually uh, like the robotic surgery? How I, got, how I got myself trained into the gynec-onco robotic surgeries. See, the, there is always advancement in any of the field. So this is a surgical advancement. Robotic surgery is a surgical advancement. Means it is a different way of performing the surgeries where we have, of course, we have to select the patient where we should do it, where we should not do it. But when we select, it's a very different technology. So we have to really be trained into the advanced technology. And in this, there is precision in the surgery. And it is a minimal access surgery means we can, we don't have to, you can say, give the big incisions. Here, I just want to tell you one thing that all the gynec cancer surgeries, these are radical surgeries or comparatively much more extensive surgery. Say for an example, the uterine cancer means we don't have to remove the simply the uterus, right? Mm-hmm. In this, we have to go for the surgical staging also, even when the disease is limited to the uterus. So we have to go for the surgical staging means we have to know whether there is any spread of these cancer cells from the uterus to the lymph nodes or to the peritoneal surfaces or to the omentum. So these surgeries usually require long incisions whether it's any of the gynecological cancers. So you can imagine any of the incision going from just above the sympheusis pubis to above the umbilicus into the epigastrium means these are very, very long incisions. But now with the robotic surgery, we have the minimal axis. Usually we are using four or five ports. These are eight millimeter ports. You can imagine these are so small ports. And the surgery is much more precise. There is minimal blood loss. This, is, this has got 3D vision. You can you know, move your camera into whichever the field you want to go through. So actually, it is providing the ideal atmosphere within the, you can say, the operating field for the surgeon. And at the same time, actually, it is giving so many advantages to the patient. Majority of our patients, we are operating... Uh, the day we are operating, they are being discharged, you know, the very next day. In the morning when I go for the rounds, they already have taken their breakfast. Can oh, you wow. imagine after the extensive <laughs> surgeries? And by the evening, when I tell them, yes, you can very well go home. When I go in the morning, they will always be saying, oh, can we stay for a day more? Because we had such an extensive surgery and I don't even know whether I should be going right now or not. But I think they get the confidence by the evening when I visit them again. They say, no, ma'am, we are just going home. We are absolutely fine. So imagine just, you can say the uh, antibiotics and all, they are just given for a day or maximum two. Most of the time, about 99% patients have been discharged on day two evening after the extensive surgeries. Wow. And it's only... It's only when they come from uh, long distance. On request, we have asked them to stay maybe for one more day. And none of these patients, I think, have required any kind of the blood transfusion. There had been a minimal blood loss in all these. And it has been shown, actually, into the uh, 
the literature also that the morbidity of the surgery because these are very morbid procedures right the morbidity of the surgery when compared from that of the open the robotic surgery has got significantly less morbidity so i think these are the technologies which are giving rather a lot of benefit to the patients and yeah, that is yeah. why basically basically we get the confidence but at the same time we are concerned about the oncological outcome the oncological outcome is also rather the similar or superior to that of the open surgery and okay. on the other hand we are get we are getting less morbidity so this is the procedure that's how actually this technology which i adopted because of this mm-hmm. there was and one has to get lot of orientation it is the experience which gives the best results right this is true even for the open and this is true even for the minimal access robot assisted surgery so yeah. in the those actually surgeons those who are performing very extensive surgeries as we had been doing in the open surgeries and uh, so it becomes you know very uh, i mean to say very interesting for us to opt to this technology of the robot assisted surgery and we can do whatever we want to do as we are doing it in open yeah. so i think this is very very interesting to learn and yeah. here i just want to tell you one of the you know uh, most common uh, you can say the most commonly asked question by the patient does the robot perform surgery so mm-hmm. actually i used to listen to it majority of the times a patient would be asking me ma'am does the robot perform surgery or you will perform surgery yeah. so i have to make them understand that it is not the robot which is going to perform the surgery it is the surgeon who performs the surgery but the technique of performing surgery is different means there is there is an interface of the robot between you can say the console console is the one on which the surgeon sits and surgeon has the view which is the 3d view of the operative field and through the instruments actually whatever the handling is done you know the drumstick as well yeah. you can play through the drumstick so with the drumstick like that you can imagine we can move the instruments we know which instrument to use which instrument not to use all the control being given to the surgeon console so i have got the cautery i have got the camera i have got the scissors i've got everything and we can use the different you can say the uh, arms of the robot there are usually four arms of the robot i can and one of the arm can even assist me during the surgery it's very very interesting so the arm which is assisting during the surgery that is a robotic surgery is a robotic arm and yeah. that's how i think and we have the assistant bedside assistant also uh, i'm sure dr joshi this is also like one of the misconceptions that you're debunking here because people when they read about something like robotic assisted surgeries they must be assuming that oh is a robot doing this uh, how is the surgery absolutely happening? i think this is the most common misconception the other people say that yes the robotic surgery actually not many people know about it because mm. uh, the robotic surgery is being performed in only few of the centers all across the country so yeah. the centers are comparatively much limited than that of the open surgery 
So when the people don't have the exposure of that kind of the surgery, it's even difficult for the doctors to even sometimes believe that the robotic surgery can offer this kind of the precision and this kind of the reduced blood loss. So actually, the, with the increasing awareness, when you search, I mean to say, I, in this uh, world of the Google, of course, you'll come to know that, yes, the robotic surgeries, that's how, uh, are more advantageous. So people think that uh, people don't know about it and they come and say that, no, we just want open surgery. I always give the option to the patient, making them understand this is what it is and this is what it is. And they, they read about it, they learn about it. And they have actually, I have prepared some kind of, you know, the information for the patients. Of course, they go through it before they decide whether they have to go for robot-assisted surgery. This is very, very important. Yeah, the other yeah. thing is uh, people think that it is costly, right? The cost of the robotic surgery is more. So I just want to tell you that the cost of the robotic surgery is mainly because of its instruments, right? Otherwise, the rest of the cost is very similar. Mm. But when we have, in our experience, we have seen that when the patient is coming, say, from outside and or otherwise is going to stay in the hospital when we are going for the open surgeries, about five to six days and patient is going to be on IV antibiotics and IV fluids, maybe for two to three days or even sometimes more. The patients, they start eating after, you can say on day three or later. And in robotic surgery, actually this hospital stay cost, the cost of the medications that is reduced significantly. I told you this, they are staying just for a day. Yeah, so it yeah. becomes actually on the whole, it is actually a very rather economical to the patient. What we feel and what even the, some of the patients, those who have opted for this, they also feel the same. Patients coming from abroad, sometimes patients coming from different cities, they don't have to stay in the same station for a longer time Yeah, yeah. in comparison and, to when we are doing open surgery. Yeah. And Dr. Joshi, how is um, this particular tech advancement um, has benefited women in particular, um, considering yeah. that before this, when this tech advancement was not available, um, were there certain therapies, were there certain treatments which were much more harder to perform? Um, I just want to understand, are there any particular instances or stories of patients who underwent surgeries that could only be possible or had a higher chance of success because of the nature of the uh, robot-assisted surgeries? Yes, I think uh, uh, this question is very valid. And uh, here I would like to take, I think I have answered it part uh, partly earlier. And what is important is that the uh, focus these days have been actually shifted in early stage gynecological cancers to the quality of life. Survival mm. is one, but of course we are giving survival at what cost? Not compromising the quality of life of the patient. So to give the best quality of life to the patient, actually in early stage of the uh, gynecological cancers, of course we can offer them the uh, technology like robot assisted and this gives good cost messes there is early recovery patients go back to their work and even in certain cases we can go for the fertility preservation of course fertility preservation otherwise is also possible 
even when we are doing it open. So actually, if I if I, I let me share one uh, very uh, rather two th- two stories I will share with you. One yes, is that in certain circumstances, when the patient is not actually being operated. And people think that, yes, it is inoperable case because of, you can say, for an example, which I have, I think, done one surgery, robotic surgery in one of the patient who was 164 kg. Can you imagine? Hmm. She was a patient who suffered with that of the endometrial cancer. She was very obese. She was morbidly obese in the sense it was difficult for her to walk. Now, mm-hmm. she walked down into the OPD and she said that I think she must have gone to a number of the hospitals and the people did not offer her any surgery. Everybody said that it cannot be done in you. We can't offer it. And uterine, she was suffering with the uterine cancer and the uterine cancer is such a cancer which is not that responsive to either chemotherapy mm-hmm. or you can't give even radiation therapy. the morbidity is very very high so actually I gave her the option that yes I can do the surgery in you and it is this is what is the robotic robotic surgery and because the robotic surgeries have you know the instruments these are the long instruments that is the advantage and though I had to you know change my operative bed I mean to say operative you can say the bed because this patient was morbidly obese. So you can say the double the size of the normal OT table which we are using that I had to provide to her. And uh, we did robotic surgery on her three years ago. And there was hardly any blood loss. And uh, the very next day, I think I was thinking whether she would be coming out of her bed or not. We don't know. Majority of of our, you know, the uh, hospital management and all those who people came to know that we have done surgery in such a patient. They all were trying to go and talk to her. And rather even uh, we had, you know, at that time, the number of the robotic, you can say the technicians also around and they, they said, ma'am, let's see whether she moves. So when I went for the round, my associates were moving with her. You know, the way she, was, she came to the OPD, she was exactly moving the same way. Wow. You can imagine 164 kg. And then she refused to go home. And she went on day two, next day of the surgery. Not the very next day, but she stayed for one day. And then she went home on post-operative day two of the surgery. And she's doing good for last three years. She didn't have to go for any kind of the any kind of the adjuvant treatment. So I think this is the case which I remember that yes, we can do surgery in the cases where otherwise open surgery is not feasible. The other young patient, I will, I will also tell you that she was very young and she was going for her course to the United States. Her mother had come with the diagnosis of a huge ovarian mass. And this ovarian mass of about say, 15 centimeters into 12 centimeters, I do remember this patient. Likewise, we have number of patients, but this patient had to go after a week's time. She had her visa and her tickets and everything. And this was a suspicious ovarian cancer. Hmm. Now, in this kind of a and patient was unmarried. Actually, she was a student and she yes. was just, say, about 22 years of age. 
so actually i uh, i usually evaluate such patients on table before taking and taking up for the robot and with this clear actually uh, you can say explanation i took this patient on table evaluated and i went for the robot assisted surgery they requested me a lot that you must go but when the patient is fit on the ot table selection then i go ahead with that of the robot assisted surgery we we actually followed all the oncological principles there was no problem at all and with the small tiny incision of about say 2 inches we were able to take you know we were able to take this mass out within the back which was aspirated in the bag then it was sent for frozen section this was image you can say it was one of the germ cell tumors of the ovary and we completed the surgery and this girl flew to the united states on day 7 oh wow wow that's great and she and she she, she is doing well she did come i think last year and this year she is supposed to come so she comes here for every 6 months for her yeah. checkup she's doing that's, well that's really amazing dr joshi and with this i would like to um ask one last question which i'm curious mm-hmm. to know um mm-hmm. and i think this would be a great way to end this uh, episode as well dr joshi mm-hmm. with all this newer tech advancement um especially in the mm-hmm. field of ai what interesting mm-hmm. developments do you see within the surgical space in the near future i think this is a very very important and rather interesting question because see the advancement the surgical advancement basically is looking into more precision and also into circumstances where we can actually rather the robot can predict slightly more at the time when surgeon is in little difficulty yeah there are number of cases where we where there is no anatomical demarcation right we don't know where the blood vessels are we don't know where the i mean to say the nerves are so actually uh, it's it's very very interesting to know that the newer technological developments basically artificial intelligence that is being incorporated into the surgical robots hmm. and intraoperative ultrasound like that is also being incorporated or that is integrated into the robot so that wherever we, we feel like that no this looks like a vessel but because of you can say you can understand like a thick layer you can't even make out whether there is there is no planes and you can't make out whether this is the blood vessel or not so these are the modifications taking place in order to help the surgeon know better demarcation and know whether it is a vessel whether it is a nerve so that whatever we want to prevent we can prevent and then a morbidity can be significantly reduced so basically everything every ball is rolling towards the morbidity and also we can have the, you know the some kind of the intra operative guidance into the integration of uh, the surgical robots in such a way so that we can have you know sometimes the 3d shape installation actually when i'm looking at the particular area i just want that the robot should give me a 3d shape installation of that particular area which i'm not clearly able to see during the surgery and also some of the depth in estimation how deep it is sometimes yeah. it these are you can say the finer 
improvements and also the advancements because of the uh, artificial intelligence actually incorporation into the system. And sometimes we are going to face actually rather we are going to have this structural mapping also. So yes. the, this is what the surgeon wants, actually, yeah. wherever, whatever the areas, wherever we have the limitations, the artificial intelligence, that's how in future is going to actually overcome these uh, limitations for the surgeon. And it's going to help uh, the surgeon a lot so that surgeon can do still much better job in maybe some limited cases. But yes, that's how the technology the other thing is that there are technical advancement also. One is the, as I said, that it is the artificial intelligence. This is the way I describe the artificial intelligence. And there are new technical advancements like firefly mode. That's, it's, a, it's a mode which is very much integrated with that of the robotic, with the robot, surgical robots. Okay. Like I told you that we have to go for the lymph node dissection. So here we are, we are actually looking into, the world is looking into that how we can actually go for the optimizing the surgical extent. I mean, is it doing a lot of surgery or a lot of extensive surgery? Actually, if it doesn't give any benefit to the patient, can we optimize? Can we fix up? Can we pick up which one was the first node where, which is draining from that particular organ? We can do that and we can identify using, you know, the firefly mode in that the node, the first node can be picked up and it is very much lighted node. So we dissect this particular node using this firefly mode and we send it for the histology. This gives us a very good information and this helps us in actually modifying the surgical extent in the gynecological cancers especially the uterine cancers. Thanks for listening in and please subscribe to the show to catch the next episode. You can follow us on Instagram to stay in touch and get all the updates. Our Instagram handle is vision.nari. That's V-I-S-I-O-N dot N-A-R-I. If you know a visionary that I should feature on this podcast, write to me at thevisionarypodcast at the rate gmail.com. That's T-H-E-V-I-S-I-O-N-N-A-R-I podcast at the rate gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Launchora, a storytelling and creative learning platform. Theme music is created by Diala Swain. She's a uniquely talented music producer from New Zealand. Do check out her music on SoundCloud or follow the link in the description. I'll see you guys soon with a new visionary. Have a great day.